0: Welcome to our semi-weekly Essay for FAs podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors and active investors, including retirement planning, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today's topic, the U.S. national debt is now $22 trillion for the first time. That's an increase of over 10% from when President Trump took office. Now, the president says his tax cuts will stimulate growth and all will be well, and his predecessor talked about how his stimulus program would trigger growth, and his predecessor connected spending to growth. And yet, the average rate of growth during these presidencies has been a tepid 2%, a full third less than the 3% average post-war growth rate. And if you subtract the last 18 years, the average rate of growth was closer to 3.5%. Now, it so happens that the U.S. grew at about 3.5% in the third quarter of last year, so maybe all of our problems are now solved but I suspect they are not. And I wanted to relay my suspicion that the reason for the slow growth relates to the increasing toll of high debt. Now, that is not any kind of new insight for me. The idea that high debt curbs growth potential has been a hotly debated issue in academia for a long time. The famous team of economists, Carmen Reinhart and Kenneth Rogoff, came to this very conclusion, that high debt equals low growth, in a famous study in 2010. But three years later, other researchers found that a simple Excel spreadsheet error undermined the integrity of the data. The critics piled on, alleging selective exclusion of unfavorable data and unconventional use of statistics. Some went further, accusing the research duo of manipulating data and even causing unemployment through more conservative austerity-type measures presumably adopted as a result of their earlier findings. Reinhardt and Rogoff in turn defended their research, saying they investigated the issue through several different methodologies in order to obtain more robust findings so that the error in their mean results did not not invalidate their median findings, for example. And the debate continues to this day. By way of this background, I mean to inform you that the question is unresolved academically, and so what follows is just my opinion and nothing more. I think future research will find that Reinhardt and Rogoff are right. It just strikes me as common sense. If you add 50 pounds to someone whose body mass indicates an ideal weight of 150, would you expect the same level of energy now that he's 200 pounds? A little extra energy boost can be put to good use by an active individual or enterprising nation, but when it becomes a habit and persists over a very long time, then suddenly you cannot even function without that little extra stimulus, as politicians like to refer to it. Remove the stimulus and the body, physical or economic, doesn't work well anymore but besides debt being bad from a health point of view, I think it may be even more dangerous for the psyche, as the live-for-today mentality it fosters numbs normal human concerns for the future. A quick illustration. As is well known, not just the federal government, but many US states and municipalities are in bad financial shape. What comes to your mind as the wealthiest US city? Looking at a map of U.S. cities on statedatalab.org, I was immediately struck to see San Francisco in last place in terms of its municipal finance. But isn't San Francisco an extremely wealthy city? Perhaps, but the city is nowhere close to being able to pay its bills, such that each taxpayer would have to cough up $22,600 to pay the city's liabilities. Like many other U.S. cities, those debts are heavily based on unfunded retirement benefits and retiree health care expenses. Today is a time of low unemployment and a nice spurt of GDP growth. What will happen when things turn down, as they always do? San Francisco and so many other states and cities will be faced with the choice of using all of their resources to pay the pensions and healthcare costs of people no longer serving the city, while police and fire protection and the paving of roads gets cut. Or, the city will handle these things, but renege on its pension promises. Or, it will find ways to squeeze another $22,000 out of income earners and property owners. Or, it will seek a bailout, which could be a non-starter when the problem is statewide or, or nationwide in scope. Though there are many academics who disagree with Reinhardt and Rogoff and argue, No, it's not high debt that causes low growth. It's low growth that causes high debt. I don't buy it. My common sense tells me that governments and individuals who accumulate debts end up weighing down their economies, crush growth, and cause a cascade of other problems. What do you think? Thanks for listening. You can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have any feedback or requests, and make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. This is Seeking Alpha's Gil Weinrich.